Welcome to another episode of When Fear Reigns. Excited to be back with you. Today, we're tackling one of those big questions about where everything began, the origin of all things. Uh, But before we get into it, I want to thank all of our followers and commenters, especially on our social media outlets. Uh, We love getting your feedback and uh, especially love this comment from RSE6. I don't pick the names. You do. Here it is. RSE6 says, uh, we don't live in a bubble. Christianity is under attack. If you're a believer or have had exposure to Christianity or are just not sure this podcast is for you, I've taken away actionable ideas for living my faith. Plus, the teaching style of the pastors is always thought-provoking. You can really tell they have a depth of knowledge. I've recommended this podcast to friends and family who need this knowledge and encouragement. Thanks for the great content. Keep it up. We love bringing you good content. Thanks for the comment, RSE6. I really appreciate that. If you have comments, uh, you want to ask questions, make sure you check out our social. We're on Instagram and Facebook. You'll find us by searching When Fear Reigns. But now let's get into one of these big questions. Where did God come from? John, first I want to ask you, where did where did your Valentine's plans come from? You're going to wine and dine your wife, I imagine, come Friday. You know, Valentine's Day is not high on my calendar. You know, that doesn't surprise me, actually. It, once again, a hallmark day to make males feel guilty because <laughs> it's a no-one situation. You ask your wife, hey, you want to do anything? Oh, no, nothing special, which translated means you better do something. You better yeah, make you a reservation now. Yeah, yeah make or, plans. Or, hey... Uh, let me get you some. Oh, I don't need anything, which means, yes, you better get flowers if she likes flowers or candy if she likes candy. Or in my case, my wife probably wants me to do something around the house, which you there know, you go. Yeah. my skills with Bring the hammer. Bring that tree down finally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably with me underneath it. But yeah, yeah. No, you know, what we're going to do is we'll go out to eat like we always do. I know yeah. that's kind of lame, but that's what we like to do. And uh, it's boring. Well, and make sure you leave a Yelp review. Yes, absolutely. I'll Yelp as a Yelp lead. And then I'll just make a little check mark and feel better about myself. There you go. There you and go. And then, uh, you know, wait and plan for the next uh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> you know, so I just found out my mom works, uh, my mom works at uh, uh, the floral department during Valentine's season. They call the day after February 15th, Doghouse Day. And they sell a ton of flowers on Doghouse Day. Well, Turns you'll out- see if you go down to the local <laughs> grocery store, like the Festival Foods here, you'll see guys going home on Valentine's Day, checking out, hey, do they have the bundles of the five ninety nine still? And they're, they're paying $18 for yep. baby's breath. Yep. And anything that looks halfway living gets them out of the doghouse. That's right. Yeah. Make sure you don't buy it on the 15th. It's no good by then. Uh, I wanted to, before we get into talking about who made God, God's 23 and me, uh, we got some feedback on episode 23. Uh, had one of our listeners, Peter H., uh, wrote in, uh, and he said this. In episode 23, uh, we released that January 13th. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes, uh, link to that. Dr. Parlow discussed election. His explanation tied election to God, foreseeing that someone would come to faith and remain in faith. How exactly he phrased it is not coming to mind right now, but he definitely tilted toward an in view of faith. Uh, Latin for that sometimes you'll hear is intuitive fide, description of election, at least in his brief explanation. Um, so I just wanted to kind of, I don't know that I heard the same thing, but let's make clear what we were saying there. Uh, if you go back, this is, um, it's our conversation on Romans nine thirteen, talking about Jacob, I have loved and Esau, I've hated. Sure, sure. So let's just kind of set the, set the record straight. Talk a little yeah, bit more about When it comes that. to predestination or election, I think the thing that you have to understand is um, uh, that choosing of God was not anything that God saw in us and it has nothing to do with us in that sense. Uh, when people often talk about, he, he didn't look into the future and elect people to come to faith because he saw that how they would turn out or that sure. they would be better than others. That isn't the case at all. Predestination, at least from a Lutheran standpoint, certainly is due entirely to God's grace, his undeserved love. 
Um, you know, when, when Scripture speaks about predestination, or some of our listeners will hear it sometimes spoken of as election to salvation, there, there's no counterpart. That's one thing you'll hear on the Reformed side, like predestination to damnation. God just chose some to go to hell. Yeah. That's not the yeah. case because Scripture's real clear that God wants all men, all people to be saved, First Timothy chapter 2, 4, and then um, God doesn't desire anybody to perish. That's First Peter 3, 8. Um, I, let's be honest. Well, election or predestination challenges your understanding, your human mind, it is intended to comfort us. And that's probably the biggest thing I try to get across to people in adult uh, instructions or even uh, children's confirmation courses. The comfort is that our salvation, really from beginning to end, and that's why what I tried to say, and if I muddled it, I certainly apologize for that, is certainly God's doing. And when it comes to salvation, and if it's all of God's doing in any way, you know, let's let's understand in every way, then we, then... uh, then there's absolutely certain absolute certainty about it. So yeah. that's the idea. Yeah. From it's not that God saw in the future that something was good going to be in me, or I was going to come to faith, and so in lieu of that, He's going to bring me to faith. None of that at all. It's all His doing, and it's just comfort of knowing that even my salvation, every part of my salvation, is all by God's grace, and I don't have a part in it yeah. at all. That's and I hope yeah. that clarifies that. And yeah. I really appreciate Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Pete's. Uh, insights and concern for that because people might think, well, that's not a big deal. Yeah, it is. It is a big deal. Yeah, yeah it is a big deal. For sure. Yeah, and that that's uh, feedback that helps us to um, people listening in and, and asking tough questions or wanting some clarification. So sure appreciate, Peter H., uh, your comments. Now let's get into uh, God's 23 and Me. I want to go back to the very beginning of all things. As Christians, we say that the Bible say what the Bible says, that in the beginning God made, right? That's Genesis 1. John 1 reflects that really um, we're almost word for word, at least thought by thought. That means that God was already there at the beginning. But in our experience, in the human experience, everything has a beginning. There's an origin for everything. So it kind of leads you to the question, where did God come from? When did he begin? Whenever you're talking about the beginning of, of time and creation, likely you're going to have a question from a skeptic or a person who's genuinely searching for truth who didn't have the blessing of being raised in, a let's say, a biblical Christian home. Sure. And that is, okay, if you, if you contend and you posit that God created the world and that's what you believe by faith, which we do, yeah. Yeah. and the scriptures are very clear on that, but who made God? And you're always going to get the who made yeah. God question yeah. from the three-year-old you're doing your nighttime devotion with <laughs> yeah, to, sure. uh, to, the, to the high schooler who just is going to challenge you to the college student who's searching, to the person who's troubled. Mm-hmm. I, I get all of that. Mm-hmm. And and I guess I, I'm a little more um, attuned to that because I have a son who is a scientist. You know, yeah. as a molecular biologist, he's he's tackled these issues from a biblical standpoint and certainly sees, from his vantage point, God all over the place in science because you see the intricacy of the universe as well as the human body and even the cell itself. But a, a lot of times what we have to understand is there's called the law of causality. Mm-hmm. And maybe our listeners have heard of that. That's really the very foundation of science. Uh, the idea that science believes it looks for causes, it searches mm-hmm. for causes that, um, and that search is based on what you can observe in sure. science. And then what they say is everything has a beginning, or uh, uh, everything that has a beginning has a cause. And I get that yeah. part. Yeah. And then they'll ask, well, who made God? And this is where they kind of uh, miss on the causality part. Um, they say, well, why didn't God need a cause? Who made God? Mm. And the idea is, see, the atheist contention misunderstands the law of causality. The law of causality doesn't say that everything needs a cause. It says that everything that comes to be needs a cause. Mm. God did not come to be. No one made God. God is unmade. As an eternal being, 
God did not have a beginning, so he didn't need a cause. Now, again, your, your atheist friend, your skeptic might protest and say, well, if you can have an eternal God, then why can't you have an eternal universe? After all, the universe is eternal. At least that was believed by science up, up until about, I would say, maybe 20 years ago or so. And, and logically, I, I guess you could say that's possible. Again, I go to the scriptures, which is God's word, and he makes it very clear that God's eternal. But what we see now from science is it's clear that our universe had a beginning. And so that's a problem with the atheist. What you have is that just things that point to our, our world not being eternally always there, but having a beginning is something we've talked about, I think, in a previous lesson. I know I've talked on it before in a series mm-hmm. A message. I use the term surge, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah I remember that. Uh, Turek is the one that really made that clear. The surge, S stands for the second law of thermodynamics that talks about a, an expanding universe. You've got the radiation afterglow. That's the uh, some of the things that we see. Uh, you see, uh, I think if I remember correctly, the great galaxy siege. You've got Einstein's radiation decay. You've got a number of things. Uh, the Kalam cosmological argument. All of those things point to the fact that the universe is not eternal, but rather um, had a beginning. Mm-hmm. And so when you get down to that, then you say, well, then there, there has to be something outside of this universe that had a beginning, an unmade maker. And it, it's very clear, I, I would say very clear, that that scriptures teach that, and science certainly points to the truth of scripture. Not that scripture isn't true if science says the opposite. It, it is true. Right. But Scripture makes it very clear that that God has just eternally existed, and therefore He's an unmade maker. Ultimately, atheists, and especially um, um, evolutionary atheists, have to understand someone was there before, or something was there before to start everything, mm-hmm. to bring time, space, and matter into being. Yeah. And we'll talk, I'm, I'm sure, later to in this episode, as we have others, that if something brought time, space, and matter into being, that thing or that person had to be outside yeah. time, space, yeah. and matter. And of course, Scripture, that's how it describes God. But So the atheist, too, is looking for an unmade maker. And they keep yeah. coming up with all sorts of things. They say there's a directed panspermia, that somehow life came from other planets, mm-hmm. or you have now that the new one is the multi-universe theory, which mm-hmm. doesn't really help you at all. It just expands your argument, which is faulty to begin with. Okay, where the other universes come from? And right. you, know, you go all right. the way through right. that. So um, that's that's my answer. God doesn't need a beginning because, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, about the whole time issue. If God's yeah. outside of time, yeah. then it's there's no before. Right. Yeah, I want to, there's, you brought up a lot of stuff there. I want to unpack a couple of things. Um, one, I don't want us to skip over this, uh, what you talked about, that transition from not being to being. Anything that came into being has a cause. Uh, and if you believe in the eternal God, yeah. as laid God out didn't by come the Bible, in, there's no God change didn't come in right. status for Correct. him. Right? Correct. Um, so he, he doesn't need a cause then. Um, and yep, uh, atheist or, or somebody who agnostic or skeptic, whatever, will kind of cry foul at that. But again, like you said, everybody's searching for that. Everybody has some form of that. Uh, even if you consider the Big Bang and, you know, the singularity came from, it was a contraction of the previous universe. Now it's an expansion on back and forth, back and forth. Uh, but I, uh, so I, th- I think I see what you're saying there, that everybody's got to answer that tough question. We do it with God. And, and you see that when we talk about time, space, and matter existing only in relation to each other, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think because you can't have one without the other, I think that's pretty well established. So how can you say then that God existed before, because before is a time contingent word. Correct. How can God exist? Can you say God existed before time, space, and matter? Well, I, I, how would you put that? I think you have to understand it, if the relationship is in time, space, and matter, then that which 
created those things has to be outside those things. And when you look at that, you see that first cause, right? That mm-hmm. first cause, you have to be self-existent, timeless, non-spatial, immaterial. In other words, without limits, you have to be infinite. You have to be unimaginably uh, powerful, right? You have to create the universe out of nothing. You have to be supremely intelligent with the incredible precision we see. And we'll, we talk about other other times we've talked about it. personal. In order to choose to convert a state of nothingness into what I call a, a time, space, matter universe, that's not, that's not impersonal. Uh, an impersonal force has no ability to make those kind of choices. Those characteristics of what we call an unmade maker or first cause are, are ascribed, we ascribe to God. And of course, we believe the God of the Bible clearly says all of those, or is all of those things in his attributes. So uh, I think that fits perfectly. What the atheist is still doing is still looking for that first cause, yeah. something out- outside yeah. time, space, and matter. We as Bible-believing Christians would say, listen, God told us from the very beginning, in mm-hmm. the beginning, mm-hmm. he said that. Mm-hmm. So so if God exists, and, and maybe that that's helpful to think through that it's not before, but it's outside of. God is, exists outside of time, space, and matter. He's bigger than any of those three. He created them, so they're inside of his nature to make them. And then maybe it's a silly question, but what was God doing yeah. before time, space, this and matter is the question. This is the question two of the three of my sons would ask me when I was doing devotions with them, and one now becomes the <laughs> the scientist. And, and, and Your that, conversations at home must yeah, have been interesting. They were really great. It's like four-year-olds challenging me. I'm like, just shut up, go to bed. <laughs> go to bed. Your mom and I are sick of you. Please please go to sleep right now and stay in your bed. And Here, if you guys are listening right now, yeah, we're going to lock the you. door so you can't come out of your house. We really didn't do that, so don't send police my way. Plus, they're older, and they're already scarred and have been to counseling, so they're fine. Um, no. You know, when my ch- children are young, they would, I would explain it this way. I said, there was no before God existed or God yeah, created. Yeah. Um, therefore, there was nothing. God has existed in eternity. You know, this is something for humans uh, that we're finite, we, we can't understand. That's why the Bible makes it clear that it's a faith aspect to understand mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to understanding God. God's so much bigger than what we can do. I think of Hebrews 11 that says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Or you got Psalm 90, verse 2. Let me just read that. It says, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you have formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So what was before creation? Well, God existing from everlasting to everlasting, God existing in eternity. Uh, I, I would say, do you remember what I said? Kids, remember what uh, God told Moses was his name when God said, you know, what happens if these children of Israel ask me what your name was? God says, I am who I am. That's what you tell the children of Israel. God is the great I am. He exists in eternity. He was not created. I think of Revelation, last book of the Bible. Uh, Chapter one says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty, or Isaiah's words in Isaiah 43, I think it's verse 10. Um, Who are my... Uh, who are my witnesses and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. In other words, I think it's a mistake. And I try to always get my kids to understand this, but it was a mistake about what God was doing before creation because the concept of time mm-hmm. before, during, after did not come to be until the day, first day of creation week. Mm. God exists. He is. He is the eternal, self-existent one. He is outside of time. So 
you know, God creates time. What's when he simply asked me, "Hey, Dad, um, what was God doing before He was existing?" Because mm-hmm. He existed before time itself. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, back then they were okay. I get it. And then <laughs> in high school, he was okay. You want to explain that again to me? Yeah. In college, he was challenged in that area. Both of them, mm-hmm. both my older sons were, and so they had to really wrestle with those concepts. But again, he just believed the words of Scripture: God is eternal. Mm-hmm. He is beyond time. And so it's really a question. It's almost in a well, it's it's just beyond our, yeah. our finite brain. One, I think because we only exist in time, we, we are born, we live, we die, however many years that's going to be, maybe a few days, a few decades, you know, 10 decades, whatever that is, all we know is time. We have no reference point to understand what it means to be timeless. Yeah. I mean, you exactly. think about the, the Jesus follower thinks about eternity being in heaven for eternity and that blows our mind now now compound that by never beginning never ending and it's just it, it's totally outside of our ability to comprehend and will always be god is not something that even in perfection heaven will be able to wrap our minds around he's just infinitely larger than even a perfect brain can can fit and i think um you know we as jesus followers you know we go back to genesis 1 it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Our English really simplifies that, where the Hebrew, you're left with, I'm not sure exactly what this is saying. And, and I think that kind of helps a Jesus follower to say, there's a lot here that exists before God commands, let there be light, that I can't get my, even that I can't get my yeah, head I can't around. wrap my mind around it either. It's, it's the idea that um, God tells us what we need. Not always what we want to know. Sure. And the the key from the very beginning verse of, of Scripture to the very end is, I love you even though you don't deserve it, mm. and I've made you, and I've created you, and I've watched over you, and I've saved you. That's what you need to know. Yeah. The other things, a lot of times the devil's playground, but yeah. uh, Scripture's clear. God was eternal, is eternal, and uh, no beginning, no end. Yeah. Time yeah. doesn't play with him. Right. And I want to talk about that aspect of you know that that intimate knowledge, that relationship, but we'll get there in a second. First, let's talk about, um, I, I see an, an overlap. You've talked about this a little bit, an overlap in that the evolutionist point of view and the, the Jesus follower, not in that they believe the same thing, but they're striving to answer the same question. Uh, that what is it, what happens before there is now, right? Or there is time. Uh, the Big Bang will try to say, you know, the singularity exploded, but before that it was a universe that had contracted. It explodes, contracts, explodes on into infinity. But that doesn't really answer your question again. What is the beginning? Um, and it leads to kind of a contradiction or it leads to challenges. But I wonder what is it in the human that drives us to grapple with the idea of beginning or uncreated or or uncaused cause. Why Why are we so interested in those kinds of questions? Well, I would think it has to do ultimately with our own sinful pride and the fact that we want to play God. I think it's important for us to take a step back and when we as biblical Lutheran Christians are looking at apologetics, remember one of the things you want to really stress is you want to make sure it's Christocentric. You, you always want to try to start with Jesus and certainly uh, highlight him early in your conversation because a lot of times apologetics today will go from I'm trying to convince the person who doesn't believe in a God and in, in, to believe in at least a, a generic mm. theistic yeah. being. Yeah. And I understand that that reason and so on. But I, I think you want to always as a as a, a Christian make sure you start here here's why I want you to know about a God. There's a savior. In fact, mm-hmm. you need a savior and that's where law and gospel, sin and grace come in because so often people the reason we're 
answering it here. The reason people don't want there to be a God or struggle with this first cause, uncaused first cause being God, is that means there's probably going to be standards. And now I got to look at the fact that I can't play God in my life. Mm -hmm. And that unnerves me today, especially in our culture. Uh, it's that pride again. It's a sinful pride. I want to play God. Our first parents had this problem when they thought God's rules didn't apply to them, and it continues in our woke culture today. <laughs> I just, again, I read an article and read some online stuff in social media where it says, hey, you know, you just have to be able to speak your truth. Mm. And I always want to pull mm. out my hair if I had any when they say <laughs> to speak your truth, because once you say, you know, you put the modifier in there, your yeah. We got no truth, buddy. Yeah. We yeah. got no truth because you're going to have your truth. I'm going to have my truth. Yeah. Um, the moment you hear people say, well, you got to speak your truth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, okay, you have none. Yeah. Because now there's no right or wrong. It's whatever you consider it to be truth. Uh, what happens is you want to live in a world where there are, there's no judgment, where there's no, um, where morality is the flavor of the day and truth is whatever is trending. That doesn't work. And that's yeah. really yeah. one of the, I would say, well, that's what's behind people saying, mm. you know, I'm not comfortable with there being a God who's the unmade maker because you know he's going to have standards and he gets right back to, uh, we want to push them toward Jesus so that they understand what mm. Jesus has done for them yeah. and why he yeah. had to come here. Yeah. I think from um, apologetic standpoint, especially biblical standpoint, you need to keep Christ in the focus and use law and gospel and understand how that works, especially with the law. It's the first commandment issue. Ultimately, it's like, no, I, I, I'm more comfortable when there's some ancient alien that sent, you know, <laughs> spermia here yeah, yeah. via comet or something, rather than believe, no, there's this incredible creator that made your body in ways we can't yeah. even figure out, but he's got some standards because yeah. he loves yeah. you. Yeah. And you've broken those standards, and he loves you even more by sending a savior who lived, died, and rose for you. Yeah, and that's where I want to end. Um, you've used words like unimaginably powerful, big, limitless. Those are true of God. How does that help us think about the person of Jesus? He is always there for me. Not only has he done everything I need on the cross and with an empty tomb, as we often say, and you heard me say it a lot of times, uh, Jesus' uh, resurrection has made the coffin as temporary as a sleeping bag at an eighth yeah. grade sleepover. Yeah. That's I don't I don't need to fear anything. I've got a God who conquered my three greatest enemies: sin, death, and Satan himself. I think it's a great source of comfort in today's world where we're constantly worrying about stuff. I recently read among the top five worries people have, especially like you, your age group oh, and Anthony's age group, you know, millennials. <laughs> Not all of you guys, but many of them is. Oh, my battery life may run out on my watch. <laughs> I think, I'm thinking, do you understand? God's battery never yeah. runs out. What a great comfort to know you have access to talking in prayer to the God of the universe whose battery never runs out. You have a God who walks with you, who's powerful, who can do anything, and his battery never runs out. I think it's a great source of comfort. It's just one of the ways yeah. that we understand God's love, care, and concern, none of which we deserve and every yeah. all of which we get from him. Yeah, and I that's good. Thank you for helping us think through that. The other thought I had on with Jesus is think of what he gave up to how motivated he is to create a relationship to recreate the human race to save like you talked about. He wants all people to be saved and he gave up limitlessness. He gave up unimaginable largeness and and power so that he could be contained in a human for 30 years, give or take. 
walking here in Palestine because he wanted to reconcile that relationship with a limited race of a part of his creation that that blows the mind, at least it does mine, how far God was willing to go to rescue part of his creation. Um, and it, it leads me to trust, to know that I, not only am I not alone, not only do I have one who, who stands beside me who will never run out of juice, but he is has gone to incredible lengths to free me some, from the slavery that I had sold myself into, to make me part of his family, to to re recast me as one of his holy well, people. I just, I just think of right now people listening to this podcast, maybe driving in a car. Your car will break down one day. Yeah. Jesus doesn't break down. No. Or you're you're on your lawnmower, apparently not in the northern Wisconsin area. No, not or, right now. Oh, let's, let's talk <laughs> snowblower. <laughs> and your snowblower gets jammed. And of course, you don't stick your fingers in your snowblower. You stick you know a piece of wood in there to unclog it. God never gets clogged. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that whole idea that you have a God who went to the cross for you, and then he promises, I'm going to walk with you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Just an incredible amount of, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Mike Novotny, someone we've interviewed, yeah, yeah. had a book about three powerful words, and part of it was, God is here, right? Mm-hmm. That's the three powerful mm-hmm. words. The fact that that God is in the room, that God Spoiler never leaves alert, you. in case you're wondering what the three little words are. Yeah. <laughs> s- sorry about that. Mike, I'm sure your sales of your book just went down. Sorry, buddy. That's a great book. Yeah. And for the listener... Let's just finish by saying this. Don't think that these topics, as as profound and deep as they may be, don't think that they don't matter. They matter immensely, which is why it's where so many non-believers start the conversation. If you undermine the Bible enough in its first pages, you don't have to pay any attention to the pages where it accurately describes the malady of the human heart, nor its greatest healing. Famous atheist Tom Nagel said this, in his book, The Last Word, I speak from experience, being strongly subject to this fear myself. I want atheism to be true and am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I want there to be no God. I don't want the universe to be like that. That's a powerful motivation to question the origin of God. It's also powerful motivation to have a deeply thought out answer to the question, where does God come from? And I, I hope that our conversation today has gotten you thinking deeply on that, uh, maybe going into places you haven't gone before. Um, you, the, the Jesus follower needs to have conviction on this question and many others like it, and it'll help hearts and minds uh, to have the fear of God reign there. I look forward to seeing your comments and follow up on our Instagram and Facebook pages on behalf of Dr. John Parlow. Anthony Catalano and myself will see you next time.